Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service of September 15th from Pastor Brett Cottrell. As we've come to Mark chapter 12, we've been here the last few weeks, we have seen an ongoing conversation between Jesus and some of the religious spiritual leaders of Israel back in Jerusalem all those years ago. And this conversation has been mostly those leaders looking for a way to trip Jesus up, to make him look silly, to make him look foolish, to to discredit him. We are in the final days. In fact, when Mark chapter 12 takes place, we are in just a few days of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Now, as these conversations have been going on, there has been those who have been listening in. You may have noticed in the course of your life, I know I have more than once, that sometimes uh, the people who really are the ones being influenced by a conversation aren't the ones actually talking. They're the ones listening over here to the left or to the right. I've seen that so often through the years of having a chance to, to talk with people, share with people, whether it was here or in other countries. And I've had more than one instance where the person I was talking to, you realize pretty quickly they're not the ones you're really talking to. There's, there's, a, there's someone over here who's listening in, and you realize they're the ones that you're really having this conversation for. Jesus is having a conversation with the Sadducees. He's having the conversation with the Pharisees. He's having conversations with those who want to make him look silly. But in the end, they're really not the point of the conversation. It's the people listening in. And one of those people speaks up this morning. One of those men has a question. So we're going to come to Mark chapter 12. Beginning in verse 28, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he, that is Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there's no one else beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, He said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage this morning, we have already, we've already encountered you. We've encountered you through baptism. We've encountered you through prayer. We've encountered you through music and through worship. Would we ask one more time this morning, would you make yourself known to us through your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is a a verse, a passage perhaps that we've heard. We've heard these two commandments perhaps many times throughout the course of our lives, if you've been in church for very long. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are probably not new things to us. Now, what's going on is we've had this, again, we've had this ongoing conversation and debate Jesus has had with the, the religious leaders of his day there is someone listening to the side. Now, he is a scribe. In other words, he's part of this group of people out there. But unlike the others, 
the scripture is, is painting this guy as not someone looking to make a fool of Jesus. He's heard the answers. He's heard the discussion. And, and much the opposite of many others, he's been impressed by what Jesus has said. He's, he's coming to realize that this guy is saying some things that are worth listening to. And so he asks the guy, uh, he asks Jesus a sincere question. He wants to know something that he really wants Jesus' true opinion on. Now, understand, by the way, that there were, in Jesus' day, over 600 laws that were recognized as coming from what we call the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And the people of Israel had recognized 613 commands of God from those five books of the Bible, most of them coming in Leviticus, Exodus and Leviticus. And um, now they had added a whole bunch more on top of those, but there were 613. And he wants to know which of these is the absolute top of the list? Which of these is the most important? Now you and I, we perhaps might think of the Ten Commandments. But even past that, he wants to know which, which sums it all up. And it's a, it's a sincere question. And of course, Jesus answers with this. Now, he answers first in verse 29 with something called, in Israel, called the Shema. It's a call to worship. And he says, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, why would Jesus start with this? Because that word hear, it's kind of interesting in, 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 in the Jewish language, in ancient Hebrew, this word hear is important. It's not just, hey, do you hear what I'm saying? It is this idea of, would you listen to me? I don't know if your parents ever did this, but from time to time, my dad would do something that would grit my attention. And the idea was, okay, I get sometimes as a teenager, you don't always hear what your parents say. And maybe, you've, maybe when you were a teenager, you recognized that phenomenon, that maybe sometimes you didn't listen to everything they said. And as a parent, you perhaps have realized that sometimes your kids aren't always listening to you. I know it comes as a shock. But every once in a while, there's a time he's going, now you listen to this, all right? Hero Israel, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's as if he's telling the nation, he's, as if Jesus is saying, okay, this you need to pay attention to. Every once in a while, in the old King James Version, you see the words verily, verily. In more modern translations, you'll see Jesus talk about truly, truly. It's kind of the same idea. He says, this is something you need to be paying attention to. So he begins with this. What's the most important commandment? And Jesus starts off with this. Okay, pay attention. You listen. You learn, you keep this, and you make this part of you because this is important. I got a feeling Jesus was really glad this guy asked this question. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's saying you have a unique, one true God. When we sang this morning, when we prayed this morning, when we talked with one another in the foyer or in the hallways or in our classrooms, Sunday school classrooms this morning, when we prayed together, we were acknowledging that there is one true God, a unique God unlike anything else, unlike anyone else. So here, pay attention, the one true God is speaking. That's what we're talking about here. And he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, we're going to take some time this morning to kind of break these down a little bit. But I don't want to overdo that as much. I want you to understand that these phrases, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, this is just God's way of saying, love Him 
with all you got. Don't hold anything back. Every part of your life is to be spent loving the Lord. Now, that's, that's essentially what this is saying. It's just a phrase to mean all that. But I do want us to explore for a few moments this morning the different parts of our lives. Because if we're to look at our lives this morning, we recognize that we have our work lives, we have our home lives, we have different our, our recreation time. We have, uh, even in a, in, a, in a more intimate sense, there's the emotional part of our being. We have emotions. There's the intellectual. There's our minds, how we kind of sometimes approach things with, a, with an information or truth or what is right. So we have kind of different parts of our being, different parts of our lives. And the big picture is God says, you love me with everything you got. But I want to explore a little bit what, what these parts might look like. So he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. I want to explore for a few moments what it might mean this morning to love the Lord our God with all our heart. What we might think of as our emotions, our feelings. All right? Anybody have emotions and feelings? Yes, okay. Some of you are going, I know some of the people in this room, and I've seen some emotional outbursts from time to time. Or maybe you're going, I know some people, I haven't seen them to say anything. I haven't seen them, I haven't seen them smile in 30 years. We all have emotions. We all have. I hope there's nobody in this room, by the way. I've met a couple of those through the years. but We have emotions, don't we? We're made, by the way, God made us as creatures with emotions. He made us to feel these types of things. He gave us the ability to sense all. To have those times when you're just kind of sitting back and in wonder and amazement of something you've seen that's almost beyond words. He's given us the ability to, to have that sense. He's made us with emotions. He's made us as people who sometimes grieve, who hurt, who weep, who experience sorrow. I, I, I know I I told I talked to Alan a little bit about this. Some of you made the story of a guy named Blake Anderson. He's the football coach at Arkansas State University, and his wife passed away of breast cancer about a month ago. And you know, if, if you read that story, there, there was ESPN did a, a particularly moving story this week. It was just a very emotional read. <laughs> I got to I got to admit, I was reading the story of, of the last days that this guy shared with his wife about a month ago. I couldn't. I got to admit, I cried a little. I tried to fight it. I didn't want to do it. But I shed a couple of tears. You know what? We are a people who, we're, we're emotional. We, have, we, we feel grief. We, we mourn. We hurt. That's part of who we are. God made us that way. We have the ability not only to grieve, but we have the ability to laugh. Man, last night we had about, uh, uh, we had, Five international students at our house last night that we've, we're starting to get to know through the International Friendship Outreach. Uh, we had four Japanese guys and a Chinese guy there last night at our house. Now, that was fun. Now, sometimes you have no idea what they're saying. Now, these guys, especially the four Japanese, I had, I had four Japanese guys in my truck driving from Arkansas Tech back here last night, and they start, they start going off. I have no clue what they're saying. I will say this, when they laugh, it made me laugh. I don't know what it was they were saying. For all I know, they were making fun of me in my driving. But it was funny. (laughs) 
Now, we got to the house, and Brady and Emily, uh, they, they got this, this young Chinese man. They, we got all these guys together. They're comparing words in Japanese and Chinese. Uh, they saw that we have a ping pong table in our garage. We pulled up the four guys. They were saying something in Japanese, and all I caught was ping pong. And they took out for that ping pong table. They were having a blast. A couple of those guys are pretty good ping pong players. Walked in the house, and uh, uh, we have a, a, a Ben has a Nintendo Switch. That's a video game console. A couple of those guys saw that, and you saw a happy spell happen. <laughs> it, we, had a, we had a great time. And you know what? The, there was laughter. We are people who laugh. We are people who grieve. We are people who get angry. We have all these emotions. God gave us these things. And when, when we experience something like death, we cry, we weep, we hurt, and maybe we even ask questions, and maybe we even get angry because there's something in us that knows that death isn't right. That knows that God, increased, God intended us for us to live eternally with Him and that death right now is something we experience. That it, it's, it's, it causes pain because it's not part of our long-term future. It's not right. It's the result of a world full of sin. But we... We also get glimpses of laughter and joy because God has made us to enjoy those things. He's created us for those things. And so we have emotions. If you read through the Psalms, those, those Psalms there's 150 Psalms, guys. And those things, I, I know with something, we're studying in Mark right now, but we, we did some Psalm study last year on Sunday or on Wednesday nights. And the Psalms, you take those 150 Psalms, those, those Psalms, they speak of dancing. Yes, the word dance is in the Bible. I can't do it, but it's in there. There's dancing and there's shouting. There's, there's joy. There's laughter. In the Psalms, there's reverence. Sometimes in the same song, there's a verse that talks about shouting and dancing and, and clapping. And then the next verse will talk about what it means to be on your face, on your stomach, on your knees, and complete awe and silence before God. They're both there. There are psalms that talk about great grief and pain. And there are, there are songs that talk about weeping. God has given us, by the way, in the psalms, He's given us music and scripture that helps us express the emotions He's given us. We are people made with emotions. The book of Ecclesiastes says there is a time to grieve, there's a time to weep, there's a time to laugh. God has made us for and with all these things. So we are creatures of emotions. God's given us, and these emotions even reflect some of God's own emotions, even though His emotions aren't tainted with sin the way ours are. Now, that being said, so, so well, let me pause here. So to love God with all our heart means to love God with, yes, even our emotions. It means to give God and express to God our joy. It means to honor Him with our laughter. It also means to honor Him even, and to acknowledge Him and even to worship Him even in our grief, even with the tears. It means we give to Him our awe, our wonder, our amazement, our sense of, of being overwhelmed. And that can be a good thing or sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by stuff. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the sunset. And to give Him all those things, to worship Him and to express our love for Him in all those things. Now I know for some of you, emotion comes easily. And so for some of you, emotion's a little harder. It's okay. 
express to and love God with our emotions. Now, do you remember this? Emotions, like every other part of us who are made in the image of God, can also be easily corrupted and mimicked by Satan. Emotion by itself does not mean that God did something. Personally, I was moved this morning with my emotions at the songs that we sang. But you know what? You can go to a, a concert and be moved. So just because we're moved by something, just because something excites us, doesn't necessarily mean by itself that it's of God, but we are to, to take our emotions and use those to worship and to love God with. Hope that, I hope that makes sense. So we love God with our emotions, with our feelings. Now, so we might think of those two words. As, we might think of that when we think about heart or soul. But he also says, love the Lord your God with your mind. Now, I've got to admit, I do get emotional from time to time, but I kind of probably default to this one. I like to, I like to get their information. I like to learn stuff. I like to read. That's who I am. I like to know what's true and what's not true. I want to know what's real and not real. I mean, I am a guy who, and I've shared this with you before, I am a guy whose walk with God and whose call to ministry heavily involved the chemical periodic table of elements. Yeah, I, you heard that right. The big thing in chemistry class in the back of the room, that periodic table of elements, that played a role in me coming to having a right relationship with God. As weird as that is, that's who I am. I'm part nerd. He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. That means we are to be a people, not just moved by emotion, but we're to be a people who worship God with our emotions and with our intellect, with our mind, with the ability to understand truth and to pursue that type of deal. That we are a people who seek knowledge, especially knowledge of God. The leaders of this day, we've already seen, they, they've been trying to challenge Jesus and make him look silly. And every single time, Jesus answers them with truth that can sets them back god is a god of information he is a god of wisdom he's a god of knowledge he's the god who all the stuff that we look at and all that science and all that stuff he's the one who made it he's the one who set the laws of atomic motion in place he's the one that understands things like string theory and physics that you and i are going what he designed it he knows more than einstein he, knew, he knows more than Stephen Hawking did. He knows all this stuff. And he says that our minds are to be dedicated to the love of God. That means you and I are to be people who pursue truth, who pursue knowledge. How can anybody who loves the Lord say, I love God, but I'm really not interested in reading about Him. I'm really not interested in learning from Him. I'm really not interested in reading the Word. How can you say you love God and aren't interested in learning more about Him? Those two things don't make sense. How can I say I love God and I'm not interested in reading what He has to say? How can I say I love God and I'll say I'm not interested in finding out more about Him? Those two things don't make sense. Now, the truth is, as we grow in our Christian life, emotions play a part in that. But if we stay only as emotional beings, as we say only with, well, I feel this or I feel that, Again, feelings can be corrupted. I need to make sure I know the truth of who God is. So many problems I've seen in churches throughout the years are people who only want to stay with the feelings that they don't want to know the truth of who God is. 
He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Know Him with your emotions. Love Him with your emotions. Love Him with your mind. Devote energy and time to understanding the truth of who God is. Know His Word. Learn more of Him. Read what He has written. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that our minds are to be transformed. So the life of a Christian, yes, is our heart is transformed, but the mind of a believer in Christ also has their mind, their intellect, their thinking transformed. We are to be a thinking people. So we're to be a feeling people. We're to be a thinking people. He also says this. He says to love the Lord our God with all our strength. The Old Testament, this is, by the way, a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says to love the Lord your God with all your might. Might, strength. Um, just a little information about this word here. You go, well, how can I? So I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to worship God with my muscles? Well, if I had any, yes. That was supposed to be kind of funny, by the way. Speaking of strength, okay, I got to bring this up, Brady. I found out last night that Brady had a nickname in China. He was nicknamed the White Bearded Dragon. Now, I don't know about you, I'm, I, I, I know he secretly likes that. Because, I mean, that's, if you're called Bearded Dragon, what does that make you feel like? Oh, yeah. I'm bad. The white bearded dragon was leading worship this morning. Now, now get this. Worshiping God with your might is more than flexing a few muscles and thinking, oh, look what I can do. The word actually has this idea that the Hebrew word in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is it's, it's actually mostly used in the Old Testament as an adverb. It's, it's the adverb very. So there's strong, and then there's very strong. There's good looking, and there's very good looking. Yeah, you laughed at that one, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the word very. So what you could almost translate Deuteronomy chapter 6 is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your veryness. In other words, all your muchness. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, amplifies it. In other words, everything you got. Now, part of that might be physical, but essentially it's a word that means this. Okay, feelings, yes. Mind, yes. Everything else, yes. <laughs> Everyness, veryness, muchness. If you possess it, I don't care if it's a car, if it's a lawnmower, if it's a boat, if it's a family, if it's a job, if it's your financial resources, if it's your energy levels, if it's your incredible eyesight, I don't care what it is. If you possess it, worship and love God with it. That's what he's saying. So, if you want to, just take for example... You don't have to pull it out right now, but just imagine, guys, you, got, you probably have a wallet in your back pocket. I do. It didn't have much in it, but I got credit cards. I actually don't have any cash in it right now. <laughs> um, 
But this wallet, maybe you have pictures in your wallet. A lot of us, in our ladies in your purse, guys in your wallet, you have things in there that probably represent a good portion of your life. Guess what you do with this? You love the Lord with it. With your family. You love the Lord with your family. You love the Lord at your job. You love the Lord with your job. In other words, you do it in such a way that you're expressing your love to God with it. Now, that might change the way you work. That might change the way you even deal with your family. It might change the way you walk around your neighborhood in the evenings. I don't know if it'll change the way you mow your yard or not, but mow your yard in a way that expresses your love for God. If you possess it, love God through it, love God with it. That's what this command is saying. Now, he goes on and says this. There's another one just like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this does come up elsewhere in Scripture, and you might remember that story of the Good Samaritan that, God, or that Jesus will use as an illustration of it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, by the way, I want to pause here for a second, because this verse, there are some who take, a, take it out of context, and they will, they will use this verse as a, as a, they go off on a little tangent with it. And by that, I mean this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that mean you have to do before you love your neighbor? It has to mean you be able to love yourself. Okay, That's a modern version of this idea. And it's gone from there, this idea of, well, you have to, before you can love God, before you love other people, you have to have a good self-esteem. Okay, there's a Greek word for that. Baloney. Okay, it's not Greek. That's not what this is talking about. God is not talking about your first, your first real issue is to have a good self-esteem. He's not talking about it. What he says is this. And let me illustrate it this way. To love your neighbor as yourself is this. When you're hungry, and some of you might be hungry right now, I don't know. When you're hungry, what do you do? You, you want to make sure you get something to eat, right? When you're thirsty, what do you want to make sure you do? Okay, when you're tired, what do you want to make sure you do? When you're very tired, what do you want to do? Okay, so when you are all these things, you probably go out of your way to make sure you get something to eat or you get something to drink or you get, you get a place to sleep, right? To love your neighbor as yourself is to make sure or is to love them in such a way that you're just as concerned for their needs as you are yours. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. It means that just as... You want to make sure you have something to eat. You want to make sure they have something to eat. That just like you want to make sure you have a place to sleep, that you want to make sure they have a place to sleep. That when someone else is hurting, just the way you want someone to comfort you, you want to make sure there's someone there to comfort them. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. It's got nothing to do with self-esteem. It's got everything to do with making sure that people are taken care of the same way you want to be taken care of. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry... I will go to some pretty good lengths to make sure I get something to eat. Do we love our neighbors that way? So he says this. What's the greatest command? To love the Lord your God with everything you got. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Now the truth is, we could take these two concepts and spend the next six months on them. But we're not going to. We're just going to spend some time this morning I mentioned a while ago, who's your one? Now, some of us hear this idea of talking to someone about Jesus, 
and it makes us break out into a cold sweat. It makes us scared. It even might make some of us go, you know what? He's going to ask me to commit to pray for someone next, year, next week. He's going to ask me to, to commit to sharing the gospel with someone next week. I'll make sure I'm not here next week. <laughs> Is that loving your neighbor as yourself? You see, of all the things our neighbors need, and they need a lot, what they need more than anything else is the gospel. They need the truth that God loved them so much that Christ came and died for their sins, that he overcame death and the consequences of sin through his resurrection. And if they will trust him with their lives, he will give them hope past death. That's what they need more than anything else. That's what changes people's hearts and minds. If I don't want to do that, I am not loving God and I am not loving them. So as we think about what it means to, who's your one? As we think about someone to pray for, listen, if nothing else, pray for someone for 30 straight days, will you? If nothing else. But if I love God with all I am, and if I love my neighbors, I will share the gospel. I will take it to them. There was a man by the name of Augustine. Augustine lived in the late 300s and early 400s A.D. He's considered to be, by, by many people, one of the greatest Christian thinkers in all of Christian history in the last 2,000 years. He was thinking about and writing concepts on the, on the verse 1 John chapter 4, where God says that he is a God of love. And God has said that if you love me, you will love one another. And, and Augustine's thinking about this. And he says this. Jesus, um, he says this. Love and do what thou wilt. I, I don't think, he actually didn't speak in King James. He spoke, you know, he, he lived in North Africa in the early 400s. So he didn't actually speak English. It's a translation. He basically says this. He basically says this. Love and do whatever you want. Now that doesn't mean it's a license to sin. Because what happens if we love God? We'll do, what he, we'll do what he wants, won't we? If we love others, we will treat them in the way God has set up for us. What Augustine was basically saying was this, if you truly love God, if you truly love your neighbor, if you do these two things, you probably don't have to worry about whether something's right or wrong. You're probably doing the right thing. If you're loving God with all that you are, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're probably a pretty, pretty good piece down the right path. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. 